As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hi there, this is From the Rookery End, Adam Leventhal, the Watford correspondent of The Athletic here with Mike and Dave to look at some of the key subplots this week as far as Watford are concerned, be it injuries, uh, Africa Cup of Nations, transfers, selection issues. We will be digging into all of it. Uh, We'll kick on from Manchester City into the challenges ahead against some of the lesser lights in the Premier League that do still have the potential to be equally as testing. Uh, and we'll be talking about some of the coverage on The Athletic. Before we start, Ad, before we get into the, the main business of the show, just to, just to whet your appetite, I want to ask you a question that Geordie from the, uh, from the podcast asked the rest of the From the Rookery and lads in the WhatsApp group this week. It was on the anniversary of Lloyd Doyley's goal against QPR back from yeah. 2009. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was in the team? Simply, who was in the Watford team that day when Lloyd Doyley scored that famous goal? Can you can you remember who was playing that day? Right now, that is a difficult one. That is a difficult one because, and I have to sort of just clarify this a little bit. Here we go. Because I was I was actually touring at that time with um, Led Zeppelin, not Led Zeppelin, with, um, <laughs> with, the, England, with the England cricket team at that okay. time. So I wasn't going on a regular basis. Right. So this is, this is my sort of caveat. So I'm just trying to think. I can probably fire... Obviously, Lloyd Doyley was there. He was definitely there, wasn't he? Yeah. He was playing. He started. Um, yep. Okay, so, so what are we talking? So December 2009. All right, so Scott Loach in he goal. He was in goal, yep, correct. If that was... One of the centre-backs uh, is still playing, Ad. Yeah, so Craig, Craig Cathcart, he was there. Yep. He would have been there. He was there. Tom Cleverley. I know Tom Cleverley because I remember hearing about him um, not knowing... He was ch- sort of trying to tell Lloyd what to do in terms yep. of how to celebrate yep. and things like that. Yeah, yeah he um, just pointed him in the right direction. Probably not for the first time either. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, head that way, mate. Um, oh, uh, Vesty boy, uh, Danny Graham. Danny he Graham was, was up front. Yep. Yeah, he was up front. Mike's favourite player was playing. Oh, Nathan Ellington. <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> he was, was your favourite player. He was playing Nathan up front. Okay. Yeah, not um, Mike's favourite player though, but yeah. 
Oh no, your real real favourite player was um, uh, John Eustace, of course. You, you you've got a soft spot for him, yeah? Yep. Okay. No, was about it, Adam. Is is. And then oh god, got a couple more um, left. Uh, one of them. I, I know, I yep. know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Someone who is now or has recently moved to Australia. Correct. Adrian Mariapa. Yeah. He would have been there at that time before he went off to Crystal Palace. So you've only got three uh, left now. Oh god. You've got a left back, uh, a right. Well, a left back. Where was where? Now? Bloody hell, was Doyley playing this day? A left back, a player that is a right back, I don't know where he was playing, and a sort of midfielder, uh, wide-ish midfielder. I'll give you, I'll give you the one that I, that I didn't get. I, I got most of them, but I didn't, I didn't get John Harley, John Harley, John Harley. Harley. Davidson, as I used to call him. Um, yeah, yeah, very good. And yeah, the other brilliant. two, I'll, I'll put you out your misery. Uh, the other two. What about Jade Demer- Jade Merritt would have been playing at that point, wouldn't he? Came on the sub at half time. Uh, okay, the other right, two right. that you haven't got yeah. are Lee Hodson uh. and Don Cowie. And just before we move on, Mike, your little question which former Watford player was playing for QPR that night? <sighs> oh, uh, Fitzhall? Correct. Fitzhall. Never Fitz in Hall. doubt, Mike. One size. There's another one, though. You're missing it. Am I? Yeah. No, I don't think I am. What, they was playing for QPR that night? Yeah. Who? Ben Watson. Was he? Yeah. Oh, oh. outstanding. I didn't realise that was that Ben Watson. Oh, well, there we go. Oh, I'm surpri- considering, considering I was away, I- I'm surprised by my knowledge on that one. That's uh, pretty impressive. You can trust me about as much as you can trust Boris Johnson that I wasn't looking at my laptop for that last little bit. I can tell you that much. I can tell you that much right now. Right, let's kick on with some current Watford football and uh, some team news and uh, and all that sort of stuff because we are obviously at the end of a, a big gun run against uh, all the all the big guns and it is it is good to have sort of got over that and i wanted to just sort of ask you both a question because in terms of you know when you look at the table you always hopefully keep the same amount of games and the same amount of points and then you're going to be in the sort of right range at the end of the season if you're around 38 points you should you should be able to stay up so with three points from the last five games which is probably more than we were budgeting for we're 17th 13 points from 15 games um so we are you know we're technically behind but we're not we're not in the relegation zone and as i mentioned you know we did pick up points in those games so now the next five games that Watford have Brentford on Friday night, Burnley away, then Crystal Palace at home, Wolves away and West Ham at home. 20 games. How many points do you hope we will have and how many do you think we will have? So I will I will say I'll give Dave the hope and I'll give Mike the think. So Dave, how many how many do you hope Watford will have from those five games? I hope that we'll win 3 draw 1 and Goodness I'll allow gracious. and I'll allow a loss in there as well. So what's that? That's uh, ten ten points from those ten games. points. Yeah, ten points. So that would be twenty three points from twenty games. Okay. Mm. So have you been at an early morning Christmas party, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> it is. Tis the season. We can turn it into a bit of a sort of a a party game, I suppose, because if that's so, that's twenty three points from twenty games. And um, Mike, you know, is it higher? Is it higher than <laughs> higher than twenty-three? <laughs> That's Bruce Forsyth for anyone that is is not is not quite sure. Um, Mike, what, what do you reckon? Uh, just hopelessly predictable because I've gone from being nervous about us playing these unwinnable games to being intensely nervous about the winnable games, and now thinking, oh, mm. God, that looks difficult. We're going to struggle there. That's I can't see us getting much there. 
I think Dave's being beautifully optimistic there, and I shall raise a glass of whatever he's having um, later on t- today to, to that sort of optimism. But I think if we can somehow get six points from those um, those five games, whether that's a win and three draws or, t- or two wins, I think that's... I'm just looking at Wolves and West Ham in particular. Wolves away on Boxing Day... Very, very difficult. Wolves seems to have hit their straps a little bit. West Ham, again, they're in, in, in great form as well. I, I think we're going to struggle in those two games. And then that leaves Brentford, Burnley and Crystal Palace. Uh, with Crystal Palace the only home game. I'd like to think that we could beat them at home and then maybe pick up draws at Brentford and Burnley. So, I think five. Ah, oh, come on, Mike. Come on. <laughs> we've just put in we just put in some great performances against some of the best teams around. We got out of dodge. We only got a three one defeat against Man City. Which by you know, on our recent standards is is superb. I we, we can't be going into the game. I, I feel like I'm Graham Taylor. You you cannot have that attitude at this club. You can't go into the games of Brentford and Burnley and settle for, for settle for a point. Like we've got to be winning these games. Are we good enough to win these games? You know, if we, we we nearly beat we ne- we very so nearly beat or got a draw rather against Chelsea two games ago. And I know West Ham beat them at the weekend. Chelsea are having their own little miniature wobble. But we I, on the twenty eighth of December, West Ham at home. Yeah, they're a good team. They've got lots of good players. We can do that. And do you know why we're going to do? that in that game in in particular because because you're drunk uh, no 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 uh not yet <laughs> i'll be taking my mum to that game that's going to be her first ah. ever game that she'll be attending at the at the grand old age of 66 she'll be going she'll be going to the vicarage row for the first time ever to see us play west ham and we're gonna win one that is a lovely story and um i i i wish Mother, Mother Walker, all the very best. I think I might have just given her, a, <laughs> made her a year older than she actually is as well, by the way. <laughs> well, she'll be <laughs> so a year older listening. after she's watched it. I'm Merry sure. Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> her next two Christmases have come at once. <laughs> but if you do look at it, and that is that is the last game of those five for Watford and, and for, for West Ham around that time, you have to sort of, sort of see that period as three games in five days. So there are always random results. So if that game against West Ham, it might not be as predictable perhaps as as people might think, especially with with, uh, West Ham doing so well at the moment. But I suppose the main thing about this is that yes, we have been the underdog, we have been the hunter rather than the, the hunted. I don't necessarily think that the shift has been entirely different because the likes of Brentford and Burnley and Crystal Palace and Wolves and and maybe not West Ham because they will always think that they should be beating us. They will be thinking, right, this is a this is a real opportunity, a real opportunity to take some points, especially Brentford, who've been a bit hit and miss. And we'll, we'll hear from uh, Jay Harris, who is the Brentford reporter for The Athletic a little bit later on and, and dealing with some of their key absentees. But it's just a different pressure now for Watford. And, and Claudio Ranieri, and I, I listened to your reaction after the, after the game against Manchester City. And Mike, first things first, I really didn't recognise you. It wasn't due to the fact that you, you had a little bit of a cold. It was you were so upbeat. It was it was it was terrifying. But it was but it was very very heartening. <laughs> but and it was in line. It was in line with what Claudio Ranieri was saying. Look, he was basically saying, look, we've shown so much. We've shown positive signs. Those incremental gains, and now our season starts. So it seems as if there is a, a real sort of positive momentum heading into these games and a great belief. It's just whether you think that 
Watford have the the nous to sort of deal with these games as you would hope they would. What what are your expectation levels like? Do you think that they they will now kick on with this with this positivity, Mike? I think the bottom line is, and we can we can talk around it all we like. I don't think there's anywhere to hide now. I think that's the the reality of this run of fixtures. And if Watford want to play with the big boys again next season, then they have to start getting results. They have to start turning performances into points, which is exactly what Claudio Ranieri said. I love the phrase in a lot of ways that he said, our season starts now. Because that that does ring true, doesn't it? And you know, I was positive after Manchester City because of of what we've seen happen to the team over over the past couple of weeks or the past month or so. And I do feel like we're in a better place, and we've provided ourselves with a springboard. But if we're we're a diver approaching that springboard, that's all we're doing at the moment. We're just about to step onto it. We don't know how that dive is going to manifest itself. Where we're going to get the the tip at the tuck and pike executed properly, uh, and we're about to find out. And you know, ultimately, whatever we say. Whatever we think, whether we're feeling positive, negative, whether it's five points or ten points, it really is down to them. And but I do think after these these five games, we'll have a much, much, much better picture as to as to how close we are going to be at, at, at surviving. Because we we've all talked in different ways about how we need to wait and see how, whether the team gels, whether um, Ranieri can get the uh, the tactics going, what happens with injuries, what happens with Afcon, yada yada yada. These now are really for me make and break game, make or break games, and it's up to those guys to keep up. And this is the one thing that I want to see them keep up is the intensity. There can't be any after the Lord Mayor's show, which all too often there is. We've gone close, got no cigar against Chelsea. That's a game that's keeping us all warm in this and this cold temperatures at the moment. Thinking back to that and how well we played, we have to replicate those levels. And that can be difficult. That can be difficult against teams that are viewed for whatever reason as not being at the level as uh, FA Cup holders, championship uh, champions of, of Europe, champions of the Premier League. They've got to go out there and do it. There is no, there's no hiding place. There's, there's, there's stuff all over Watford that says our time is now. Well, the time is now. And, you know, I'm excited to get going, but a little bit trepidatious as well. But yeah, there's no reason really to, to, to be dispassionate about it. There's no reason to think that we can't go and replicate that form um, against these teams. And if we do, we could be in for a, in for a, fun, a fun couple of games. Let's deal with some of the, the key issues now, because actually, no, before that, I wanted to ask you a, a, quick, a quick question, Dave, that, you know, Mike's obviously alluded to that there, that we'll find out about the character of this side and continuing with some of the positive things that we've said, as we've mentioned a number of times. But if it doesn't go to plan, and I, I, there are different ways of it not going to plan. So, if, for example, if... If we don't win against Brentford and we don't win against Burnley, that doesn't mean that we have to sort of start worrying again, does it, in in, in your eyes? Have we seen enough to, to actually believe that, yes, we might have a few more bumps in the road and we know that defensive strengthening, and I'll go into that in, in a moment's time, is probably not going to happen until January. So we sort of know, we know the boat that we're in. And yes, we might we might hit a few waves on the on the way, but it seems as if we are heading in the right direction. I think we are heading in the right direction. We've we've, we've seen the evidence. We've seen the improved performances. We've we've come away from defeats against big teams, feeling positive and enthused by the effort levels, the application, the ability on show from various parts of the team. And we've and we and we recognise the the weaknesses that we have. I think Claudio Ranieri has improved us as a team and that is why I am pretty confident that we will get a reasonable amount of points from from these games coming up 
doesn't mean that we def- we definitely will. Football's football. Things could go wrong. William choose to conquer duck under another ball. A player could fall over. We could get on the wrong side of a dodgy refereeing call. Another team could be really, really good on the day. It doesn't mean that if we lose these two games that we should throw the baby out with the bathwater and, 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 you know, be all doom and gloom and, you know, the, the, the sharks will start circling again and talking about do we change manager and all that nonsense, you know, but you have to judge it game by game and judge it case by case. But I'm confident. I, that, the reason I, I said that I think we'll get, you know, maybe being a bit optimistic, but I think that we could potentially get three wins out of that run is because I do, I do believe we're capable. Brentford are having a good season for their first season being up, but they've, they've had a few ups and downs recently, as we'll hear from Jay. They've got a few of their very very best players missing Burnley it's easy to say oh Burnley in December oh it's a tough place to go it's not a tough place to go they've got a terrible home record so we that's on us to go there and stamp our authority on that game against a team that are short of confidence in the relegation zone and beat them don't just be happy with a point because it's Burnley and it's cold and it's in December and Colin's got the bus all the way there on a Wednesday night like an absolute <laughs> lunatic. Go there and win, you know. And Palace, you know, they've all all these teams have had ups and downs. Yeah, they could beat us. Wolves beat us two 0 in that game at Vicarage Road, and it was there wasn't much in the game, was it? But what happened? It turned on a, on a hapless own goal from Watford, and Wolves got a goal pretty much up from one yard out, and they went on a little run after that. They got a bit of luck that day, and we sort of contributed to to them getting that luck. That could happen the other way could go against us but I'm pretty I am pretty confident right now love that now we're going to we're going to deal with some of these big issues and we'll do it in a slightly different way um, and I want to find out what you want to know and I will do my very best to tell you what I know if that makes sense and you can do it in order of of um, you're worried about X okay and um, obviously we'll start with Mike because he's a, he is a warrior a, a warrior in a way but also a warrior I think Mike from from your point of view what's top of your list in things that you are worried about in terms of personnel injuries team selection I would say and I would say left back Ad, and I would want to know what the club's plans are for for reinforcing it feels like Adam Messina is going to be out for a little while as we discussed in the last podcast question marks over over Danny Rose and that looks like you know, defence is is the watchword and has been for for a long time now. But if you if you zoom in, it looks like left back is a an acute problem, and I just wondered what the what the update, if any, was on that, or what you understand the 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 plan to be. Obviously, let's deal with with Adam Messina. My understanding is that the injury is not going to be a long term injury, which is which is actually a bonus. That is that is just my understanding at the moment. So it means that there is a chance that he will be back at some time before Christmas, potentially, you know, as early as next week or or, or the week after, which means that he will be able to play some part. But then at the same time, that does also mean that he will and he has a desire to go to the Africa Cup of Nations with Morocco. So it's sort of one in or one returning, but he is also going. So it does mean that considering the position that the club are in, and it pretty much dates back to the to the summer, yes, they brought in Danny Rose and they had Adam Messina, but the plan was always probably to bring in an, another left back. And that, as I understand it, is, is one of the priority positions for January. So the expectation would be is that they can bring in a, an experienced left back. I think I mentioned that on the on the last on the last sort of midweek podcast that we did that that was their their chief aim. Um, and then in terms of Danny Rose, I think the hope is that he will continue to get games under his belt and kick on, be even fitter, 
and more ready for more action later on in the season and when needed then we'll be able to perform because he has had some some difficult days but as was you know mentioned on the on the last pod he has done well in other games so i think that having solid competition for for the rest of this season and then when adam messina comes back as well with a view to who's going to be the left back for for the longer term future then i think that is part of the planning and then if you look at other defensive positions we know that william truster kong is going to be going we do know that you know christian cabaselli is now back and available so he could potentially come in we know that francisco Ciralto is due to come back we know that nicholas and kulu is due to come back but i think the aim is to to also bring in another center back and one that will hopefully be able to add a, a little bit of an upgrade to that uh, defensive unit, but that is going to be difficult to do in January. I know we've sort of been there and, and done that on a number of occasions, but I think, you know, if you, if you boil it down to two key things, I would expect there to be a, a left-back arrival and a centre-back arrival, and not necessarily, you know, now as a free agent, I think they could probably muddle through up until January with, you know, Messina returning maybe Ngakia filling in on one side or the other if they don't fancy Rose on the left. So as far as the defensive positions, then I think that is that is the latest on on that. It will be difficult, Ad. You know, you, you know you're a veteran of many uh, many a cold night outside the Watford training ground, aren't you, at m- midnight trying to see who we're signing at the last minute. But we're not looking for Virgil van Dijk, are we? We're looking. We're just looking for uh, you know an upgrade on what we've got. Isn't isn't asking the world? So there must be someone out there that we can get in. You know, rel- relatively inexpensively that will help us. Surely. Well, I think there will be. But I think there is also that the element that a lot of people do forget at, at times that yes, you want to you want to bring in someone that is a, of of higher quality to ensure that you don't piss off everyone that's already in the building that thinks that they have the chance, which is a very difficult it's a difficult dynamic and balance to strike at times. So I think that that is that is something that will be in their thoughts. And also, you know, f- for example, and I, I'm not necessarily I don't necessarily think that this is going to be the case, but. For sake of argument, William Trista Kong steps aside and Christian Cabaselle comes in and he looks like Franz Beckenbauer or looks, you know, more like Virgil van Dijk than Dick van Dijk, then we will be, you know, we'll be in a good place. And he will play, not saying that he's ever looked like Dick van Dijk, by the way, in the way that he plays football, but what I mean is that he is a, a solid player that he could come in and they will go, well, actually... Yeah, maybe maybe we're maybe we are we are going to be all right. Who knows? I think the aim will be left back, centre back, and that is the uh, the key the key sort of takeaway. I never use that phrase takeaway from from that initial question from Mike. Well, I, I am I am concerned Dad, about about the loss of Ismail Assar. I was just a bit concerned by that the news when it came out that he had the knee injury, but they needed to wait for a month to have another scan, which you know, on the one hand, leads you to sort of speculate, oh God, is that serious? Is that like we don't see him for another year sort of thing? Or, And then also rolls into something else I know you want to talk about, which is the African Cup of Nations. In a, in a, in a way, does that mean that maybe we will see him sooner than we would have thought because he might not be fit enough to go at the end of December and could come back for us sooner? It's a difficult one. I think on, on your first point, I, I completely agree that you can't underestimate the fact that, yeah, we don't have him available and we are having to sort of come to terms with it and not necessarily muddle through, but just hope that other players like Joao Pedro, who we'll discuss a little bit later on, can continue to sort of kick on. And it does have 
a link with with Emmanuel Dennis as well and and whether he is going to go to to the Africa Cup of Nations and I deal with both of those players in in the in the latest article but just to sort of sum up the understanding that I have at the moment obviously Ishmael Assar has got a knee ligament injury and they want to give it a bit of time and that month window is hopefully going to be very very helpful for them to actually decide whether there will be any need for surgery or you know exploration and and things like that I think what the the main thing is as I understand it that it's highly highly unlikely that he will go to the Africa Cup of Nations with with Senegal because if he's been parked up for a, a month and then the expectation is for him to then just fly off to Cameroon and play in the Africa Cup of Nations that's that's not going to happen for you know him personally yes he would want to go and play for his country but he is also a, a possession of, of Watford Football Club. They have a responsibility to ensure that if he does go off on international duty, then he is fit to be sustainable whilst away. And I don't think that that will be the case. And that's pretty much what Claudio Ranieri said in his news conference after he was injured against uh, Manchester United. As it stands, I don't see him going anywhere. And that then may mean that he is potentially available slightly earlier if we get the good news, you know, towards the end of December from that scan, um, that he can start his, you know, recovery and working on the grass and, and things like that. I don't think that there will be a push for him by Senegal to, to sort of pitch up to the tournament midway through because they will have to budget for it and they will have to name their squad prior to the start of the tournament. And I don't think he's going to be available for that. In terms of Emmanuel Dennis, it's slightly, slightly greyer. They've named a 40-man provisional squad which has been circulated to to some parties i haven't seen that myself but my understanding is it's highly unlikely that he's not in that 40 man provisional squad but that when it is whittled down to 28 then it's it's likely that he will be left out but there is still some uncertainty you know in relation to that especially because you've got pretty much four weeks of football between now and the time that they actually go away. So if if one of his um, fellow strikers or attackers goes down with an injury, he might actually move up the cab rank and he might actually be called upon. So there's more uncertainty over Emmanuel Dennis. It may well be that he is he is there for, you know, for January for, for Watford, which would be which would be a real boost. Um I mean we mentioned the other the other guys that are going to be going away in William Trooster Kong and Adam Messina. And also let's not forget Imran Loser as well. He will be going away with with Morocco, which is actually a, a bit of a blow. And it was interesting to see Uri Kutska play in a more sort of withdrawn role. Uh, an anchor role uh, against Manchester City, and he's a he's a completely different type of player, isn't he? And don't forget Peter Atibo as well. He will he will come back at some stage. You would have thought in in January time, and be available once again. So there will be other options, but we've sort of got used to having the option that we the type of player that we 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 would like to be playing in that position. So I think that that is going to be that's that's almost one that we're sort of forgetting about. Um, in terms of potentially going away. So there might need to be some restructuring and some redesigning of that midfield, which will be, which will be, I think, probably a difficult one to take because as you all talked about on the last podcast, that midfield is actually looking 
quite good and with with some interesting options could provide a chance for 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 Tufan, who I think has fallen pretty much quickly out of favour, hasn't he? I think personally, from my point of view, I think the his lack of tracking back and his his lack of commitment to the defensive side of thing has probably caught the eye more than anything else. But I think knowing that what is coming up, perhaps, and knowing Ranieri's attention to detail and knowing the holes that are about to appear in the side, you'd like to think that hopefully. You know, he is an asset. He is someone that they played, paid money for. They perhaps looking at, at moulding him into into being some sort of use, perhaps when when those when those guys depart. So there there are options, and I, I do wonder just how much Ranieri will just to wrap up that whole thing. Claudio Ranieri will be maybe trying to flex his muscle where previous head coaches haven't in the past as you know that's the role at Watford we know that head coaches don't get involved in transfers but bearing in mind this feels almost to be a bit of a tipping point with with defenders whether whether Claudio is sort of saying look lads we have really really got to do something this this January um and and this is what I want it it, no no answer to that but it'd be fascinating to to know perhaps I just wonder whether he is sort of just making his voice heard perhaps where where previous head coaches might not i think he's more of a sort of a more of a sage isn't he that he's one more to, you know he's 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 to be listened to and asked for advice in terms of a almost like a consultant you might have even even if he wasn't at the football club you might actually give him a buzz just to have a chat with Claudio Ranieri to find out what yeah, he absolutely. thinks anyway you know so yeah I would have thought now you know the fact that he is in the building I'm sure he will be lead upon to a certain extent but they will have their their ideas as they as they usually do uh, in in quite a clear way that's the Watford situation at the moment obviously you know off the back of the run we know where we're heading and hopefully now I've given you a little bit more detail on on the players that are going to be available and and transfers and and things like that. So you can read more about it on The Athletic. Uh, Go to theathletic.com forward slash rookeryend and you can pick up your 33% discount on a new subscription. But we're going to talk about Brentford next. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. A Watford FC podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is from the rookery end. Right, so let's focus on uh, Brentford, our next opponents on Friday night at the uh, Brentford Community Stadium, where Watford have been once before... And it was just after Watford had won promotion. So it was a 2-0 defeat. And the uh, the foot was a little bit off the gas. But it's going to be to the floor on Friday night. And Brentford are having to deal with some some difficult absentees. And Jay Harris, who is the, uh, the Brentford correspondent for The Athletic, checked in with Thomas Frank pre-match to see how he is feeling. Yeah, Brentford fans are still loving life to a degree. I think they're still very excited by coming up against Leeds, you know, going to Ellen Road, coming up against Tottenham, playing teams like Chelsea, Liverpool, etc. But I think 
it's getting a little more tense in terms of results. We all know that it was a fantastic start to the season. Nobody quite expected that. The 2-0 win against Arsenal, the 3 0 draw against Liverpool, and recent results have kind of brought everybody back down to earth, I guess. The, the wider context is that the team's been hit by injuries. But so far, I think there's optimism that Brentford are going to do pretty well this season. There's going to be a pressure on Brentford to perform on Friday night, especially because they're at home. And I think the important thing to point out is that Brentford have had quite a poor record against um, teams in the bottom half of the table this season. Burnley got their first win of the season against Brentford. Norwich got their first win of the season against Brentford. You know, they drew three all with Newcastle. It seems to be that that Brentford as a whole can perform quite well against teams like Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal. And I think an element of that is that those teams are very proactive with the wall, with the ball. They become very open games, very stretched games. It's end-to-end and Brentford can kind of capitalise. Whereas when they're perhaps expected to perform a little bit more, to have more control of the ball, to kind of dictate possession, uh, they've been caught out a little bit more. So it's going to be really intriguing to see what happens against Watford. And obviously they're going to be missing Ivan Tony. He missed one game in the championship last year, and that was through uh, suspension. So it's a little bit of an unknown quantity what they're going to be like without him. So that's going to be interesting as well. What are we likely to see from Brentford on Friday night? This is a really good question about how Brentford are going to line up on, on Friday evening. And it's something I asked Thomas Frank about in his press conference. And obviously he was reluctant to give anything away, but he did kind of suggest that there might be a tweak to the system. Obviously, Ivan Tony's out with coronavirus. We knew that already. Sergi Canos is, is suspended as well. So who they go with up front to partner Brian and, and Bumo is kind of in the air a little bit. A lot of the fans really want to see Jan Visser, um, but Visser's not actually started in the Premier League yet since he joined the club in the summer. He was doing really well. He came off the bench and scored against West Ham and Liverpool, but then he suffered an ankle injury. And uh, he's come off the bench recently in the last few games, but that month out with the ankle injuries really... I guess, impacted his his rhythm a little bit. The logical solution would be to put him up front because he's shown his quality. But Thomas Frank has spoken about how Visser needs to get up to speed a little bit more in what Brentford expect of him off the ball. He's clearly very good with runs behind the defence and dribbling with the ball. But obviously, it's a prerequisite when you play at Brentford to make sure that you're pressing your opponents off the ball and, and working hard for the team. And he just might not be at that level yet, in which case Marcus Force would come in. I think Watford fans know Marcus Force obviously scored against Watford last season. He was a Brentford's, you know, impact substitute in the championship. But we've not seen him that much in the Premier League. What we have seen hasn't been that convincing. But he's obviously still a very young striker. And perhaps most interestingly of all, as I suggested, Thomas might change formation, in which case he could go 3-4-3. And we might see Johan Visser, if he's fit, start on the left. Marcus Force down the middle and Brian and Bumo on the right. Thomas has also admitted that the team haven't been that good in terms of creating chances from central areas this season. So I think maybe with the fact they've lost Ivan Tony and Sergi Canos, they're two top scorers this season. Players have been involved in creating the most goals as well. Perhaps pushing more players up front will be the answer to that on Friday evening. So Mike, this is a difficult one to, to, to sort of deal with really because you don't want to get too excited because we know that Brentford are a good side and they're a together side. But the fact... You know, let's put it down on paper. The fact that there is going to be no Tony and there is going to be no Canyos, that is good news, is it not? Yes, I mean, looking at it completely dispassionately and, and, and scientifically, if you like, we've got a dodgy defence and they're missing two of their their better attacking options. So, you know, if, if any Watford fan had an option for some of their better players not to be available to them, you'd, you'd say 
you'd say yes. Obviously, we hope Ivan Tony is okay and, and all that sort of stuff. That goes without saying. But yeah, I think you're you're right to caveat it. Let's not fall into the trap of you know if, this whole sort of thing of coming out of that really tough run of games. It's easy to see Brentford as a as a softer touch, and they're anything but that. And it's easier to to fall into that trap when they're shorn of two of their better players. Um, but we know how we know how football works. We've seen enough games between us to know that a couple of players being missing doesn't really make a difference. Because if you look at us, for example, Dave spoke about Ismail Assar um, being missing, and we we. we we haven't really missed him that much in terms of uh, what we've been able to del- deliver, have we? But you ask an opposition player, uh, opposition supporter, who they probably most fear out from the Watford squad, and they'd say Ismail Assar. We've done okay without him. Brentford went up to Leeds and did all right without Ivan Tony. So, yeah, it's it's a big blow for them. Um, but it goes down to what I was saying earlier. Watford have to capitalise. They have to make the most of these these situations, and it's it's going to be down to them how bigger uh, a, a part that plays in the game. And Dave, I vividly remember last season when um, Brentford came to Vicarage Road. Uh, they'd started the season really, really well. And we weren't necessarily playing the, the, the sort of football that we would like to have been playing. And we saw a Brentford side which were full of confidence, loved playing out from the back. They, you know, you play their usual sort of 3-5-2 formation. That might well be, be tinkered with. We're not quite sure about yet. But the fact that they like to play out for the back... And the fact that we heard from Daniel Backman, and this was featured in one of the pieces that I did recently for The Athletic, that the blueprint for Watford is to be on the front foot in and out of possession like they were against Chelsea, like they were against Manchester United. This is a great opportunity to go toe to toe and go, right, come on, we're going to. We've got confidence in what we're doing. You've got confidence in what you're doing. Let's see who comes out on top. It's it's quite a, a you know an enticing prospect, really, isn't it? Absolutely, I was at that Brentford game last season. Yeah. It was one of those few that we were actually were allowed to go to in, in in that in that short window of time, and it was one of the last games that we had under um, Vladimir Ivic as well, as I seem to recall. But I think this is an interesting game. Brentford deserve all the plaudits that they've got so far this season for the way they've played, for the way they've approached the Premier League season. They've not been fearful right from the first from the first game against Arsenal. They absolutely went for it and, and they've carried that momentum through. They've had a few sort of up and down results here and there, but that's to be expected. It's a you know as as what as Mike said like it is a huge it is a huge blow for them to to not have Tony he's their focal point Canyos has been chipping in with crucial goals uh, recently and has been a vital player for them over a number of seasons now and in terms of their style of play I think it might suit us because obviously we've seen in recent weeks that we've really stepped it up in terms of pressing trying to win the ball back high we Chelsea plays similarish sort of system to them and we we really went for it against them and I think they're not they're not a side like Man City they're a bit probably a little bit more like Chelsea you know if you can even make a comparison to those two sides but even regardless of if they do tweak it because of their injuries they play a different system I think our approach will be largely the same and that will be on the front foot try and win the ball back high try and get it forward relatively quickly to our to our attacking players and you know that that is an approach that has done well for us in recent weeks in terms of performances so if we go at it from the first minute and we and we you know we can get the first goal or we can keep ourselves in the game I think there are points there for us to 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 get on Friday night I'm really looking forward to it Friday night on TV a few of us are going to meet up and watch the game I think all being well it's a you know and Mike you're going to the game few people's chance to go to the Brentford Stadium for the first time it's something to look forward to 
Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a cracking atmosphere. Brentford will obviously fancy it, but they will be fearing that they're, the fact that they have got those two players missing in particular will, will actually hit them. But what I quite like, and you mentioned the fact that you know it was one of the last games for, for Vladimir Ivic and that Thomas Frank has only faced Vladimir Ivic and Shisko Munoz, and that was when Watford were already promoted, that I think that we will go with our own sort of enriched plan. And I'm quite looking forward to seeing us actually going there with with a with a side that is operating in, in a good way. Yes, it might be that Brentford, you know, do well. And Marcus Fors or Johan Wisser, who that Jay had written about in, in detail on The Athletic. And it's well worth digging into those articles because you'll get a really good idea of how, how Brentford play. Yes, they might play well and they might score goals, but... I think we will we've definitely got a chance and I think it will be really interesting to see what happens. Part of the Athletic Podcast Network. This is from the Rookery End. Just before we talk about um Joao Pedro, I just wanted to just drop in just a little tease that I just uh, remember. Dave, you mentioned earlier on about William Trustecong ducking underneath that ball yeah. and then uh, James Madison scoring that goal. Just keep your eyes out on The Athletic in the next sort of week or so because I'm I'm working on something oh, yeah. on that. You haven't got an exclusive interview with the duck that turned up at Fleetwood last night, have you? <laughs> that was funny, wasn't it? I like that. I like that. Now, we wanted to talk about uh, Joao Pedro because uh, I wrote a piece about him uh, this week on The Athletic. It made me think as we entered December that, you know, this is two years on effectively from from the time that he was making a big decision to leave Brazil for only the second time in his life um, and head out of the country and come to a you know a brand new country, a bloody cold country at the same time. I remember those pictures of him, you know, landing at Heathrow and him and his family all had you know those big padded coats on and just thinking bloody hell, what are we doing here? It's absolutely freezing. And then you know the footballing ups and downs that he that he had to endure and, you know, playing at Tranmere and thinking, wow, this is this is, this is is not what I signed up to. Then obviously getting relegated. He made his Premier League debut in a game against Southampton and that was probably the only half-decent thing that happened in that game before we were, we were relegated. Then he played well in the Championship and then, most recently, playing and starting in the Premier League and scoring his first Premier League goal against Manchester United. And that was obviously a, a wonderfully great moment in terms of what you see on paper. He scored his first Premier League goal, but it came against the backdrop of more personal tragedy for him and and the loss of his stepfather. And I'd written previously, you may remember at the beginning of last season, I did a piece, you know, called the the Joao Pedro story and that touched upon his earlier life and his relationship with his with his biological father as well, which is which is worth reading about as well. Um, But recently he lost his stepfather and the fact that you know we saw that raw emotion after he'd scored against Manchester United and he looked to the skies and and he pretty much broke down and and all his teammates came around him put their arm over his shoulder and you know i just thought that it was a very very emotional moment that i remember sort of having goosebumps in the in the press box when when that happened and you just thought yeah i know exactly what you're <laughs> what you're thinking about now how you're feeling but it, you know then if you look at what he's actually doing at the same time in this Watford side, whenever he's been called upon, and it's happening more and more often, and he's now started back-to-back games, um, you know, against uh, Manchester City and then previously against Chelsea. He's played full 90 minutes. 
He's playing well. The way that he caresses the ball, the way that he attacks the space, the way that he's showing the fact that he can play in multiple positions. Yes, maybe that's maybe that's to his detriment a little bit at the moment because Claudio Ranieri's not quite sure where he where he fits in, and he's called him a a, a rough diamond, and he's not quite sure. You know, he's he's polishing him up and trying to get him into the right positions. That's where I, I, I wanted to ask you that actually, Adam, because I I I felt that, and I, I think it, it, I've been hugely impressed by him by a, his character and the way he's adapted to. To, to life in, in Watford and in England. It's been a, a, a real whirlwind, hasn't it, for him for a whole host of reasons, as you explained. Relegated, then the season behind closed doors, promotion, th- then the terrible news about his stepdad. And he seems to have taken it all in his stride. And that's that's manifested itself in, in, in ever-increasingly impressive performances on the pitch. He, he's, he's absolutely brilliant. So I'm really impressed and really excited by, by Jao Pedro, but what I wanted to ask you, perhaps, having having written the article, is the fact that we are we underutilizing him because you mentioned that I think he's only played ninety minutes back to back three times since arriving, and for someone of his talent, that's that's interesting. And perhaps a bigger question is because of his commitment and versatility, are we actually getting the best out of him because we're not actually sure where his best position is because he he's played in so many different roles. So I guess, are we getting the best out of what is already a very, very exciting player is my question. And, and where do you think his best position is? I think at the moment, the position that we're seeing him play um, or we saw him start in, which was, which was out on the, on the left-hand side, is probably his, his best position. And that was where we actually saw him pop up, I think, in that first game against Southampton in the 2019-20 season when he came on and he he was very comfortable and he looked more comfortable in a in a wide area and then against Arsenal on the on the last day of the season yes yes obviously Watford were relegated but he you know he came on and played well and and that sort of stuff i think he i think he's a better player with with more grass in front of him rather than being in in congested areas in central areas playing at playing a number 10 position even though he's he's adept at, at being in those positions, and we saw, and I mentioned it in the article, he took the ball around about sort of 15, 20 yards outside the, the um, Manchester City penalty box and just turned really sharply and just swung the ball out to the right-hand side to Cucho, who then set up Joshua King and he, he hit it wide and it could have been 3-2. It showed that he can operate in tight positions but I like to see him with the ball moving forward he's still got that sort of I don't know he reminds me a little bit of a of um, a Labrador puppy still just like his, his, his arms and legs are sort of they feel a bit too big for his body but he moves in that rangy way and I, I just think he's such a an interesting player to watch and I think you know the fact that yes we've had injuries to Ken Semmer Emmanuel Dennis who was playing out on the left hand side and maybe sometimes it was Joshua King as well but the fact that Dennis has had to come to the right-hand side to fill in for Ishmael Assar, yes, you know, he has now landed in that position. And I think that he's probably our best pick in that position at the moment. He might not be able to play the full 90 minutes all the time. And that is going to sort of gradually come more and more and more as we're seeing now. But I, th- I would play him there if I was, if I was the boss. But it's, he's another option as well. And he is only 20 years old. And that is the, that's the main thing that, you know, if you look at his his journey and maybe this is this is one for 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 Dave to sort of retrospectively look at it this is genuinely 
and also involved in, you know, following his family and, and things like that and the, the emotional time that he's had. This feels genuinely more like a journey that the club is travelling with Joao Pedro on to a sort of the next destination eventually rather than Richarlison sort of plopping in doing really well you know and it almost being an ephemeral sort of moment that he's just right shining bright and then he's and then he's off feels like we're we're growing with Joao Pedro at the moment do you get do you get that feeling what are the emotions that you feel about seeing that young Brazilian play I think the whole way that he first arrived at the club in terms of there was there was sort of this these rumblings that we'd found another kid in Brazil and that we'd maybe beaten a few top teams like Man City as you mentioned in the piece to his signature we 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 bowled out the red carpet for him really didn't we we got his parents sadly his his late stepfather and his mother came over before him and they, they kind of we, we saw pictures of them looking at the club and the training ground and the stadium and we saw those pictures of again of him and his stepdad in the stands that day when he he was was it the Manchester United game that we beat them in 2019 and he was in the stands and they were celebrating together and he was like fans were coming up to him and you know he was welcomed we welcomed him into the Watford family from the get-go and he's responded in kind and he's he's clearly you know enjoying being part of Watford and being in the Premier League and being in a new country in England and you know remember those do you remember when it snowed like last Christmas and he was posting videos of him in the snow and it's like he couldn't believe it he'd probably never seen it maybe in the part of Brazil that he came from so he's an endearing character but he's also a very good footballer and you when you've got somebody like Claudio Ranieri who has worked with you know, a whole host of world-class players, like genuinely top, top-notch world-class players throughout his career, saying that this guy could be a top player. He called him, he could be a crack, he said. It, that was the quote, which is like some sort of, is that like Italian or Brazilian or some sort of translation thing, which I didn't, I've not heard before, but it basically means like top, top-level player. And if, if Claudio's saying that, then, you know, that that, that word, those words carry serious weight and respect with them. And he sees him in training. You know, we we just see him on the pitch, and we can see the skills that he's got. We can see that he's got a bit of fight about him. He 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 went up against some big championship centre backs last season, whilst playing through the middle at times, and held his own more than held his own. He's very skillful. He's quick. He's fearless. He's great. I love him. That's a good way of summing it up, actually, and maybe a good way to end. I think we we all we all we're all loving Joao Pedro uh, at the moment, and we hope that he goes from from strength to strength over this uh, coming games uh, against yeah, as we started it, calling them lesser lights, lesser lights of the Premier League, but ones that we'll be testing as well, and hopefully he will be up for the challenge with the rest of them. Just a reminder, yeah, you can check out all the the pieces you know on Joao Pedro, on the latest on the injuries and Dennis and Saar. Uh, on The Athletic at the moment. And also I will be writing uh, from the Brentford Community Stadium at the weekend and you'll be able to read that piece after the game. Fingers crossed I'm talking about a, a victory on, on Saturday morning. Go to theathletic.com forward slash rookery end. And there will, of course, be another podcast after the game against Brentford to boot. Dave, it's been a pleasure as always. Thank you very much. Cheers, Ed. And Mike to you as well. Take care, my friend. Season starts here. Let's see what we've got. Come on, you golden boys. Quite right. Quite right. Let's keep our heads high, ladies and gentlemen, and head to the uh, Brentford Community Stadium with uh, hope and positivity. Fingers crossed. Take care and have a good weekend.
The Athletic.